0: On Maynard.com.au au. Hey, you!
1: I'm Tim, that's Maynard. Hello. It's Banga Banga! With Tim Ferguson and me,
0: Maynard! <laughs> not going to fit that in my recycling bin. No way. We'll talk about that later. I've renamed my recycling bin the Jade Chamber.
1: Hello, darling.
0: The Jade
1: Chamber is what they're calling it. All the kids are calling it the Jade Chamber. Hello, darling
0: it sounds dirty and it is we're coming to you live from the Fru cafe live to sd card as we bunga bunga 18 breaks across the plains of australia across the wet moped seats of australia and it's happening tim what have you been up to we always like to start with a bit of tim a bit of das news what's been going on
1: well the Doug Anthony All Stars did a very enjoyable gig in Perth on the weekend. Mm. We just flew over, did one gig, turned around and came back. It was kind of a strike quick, get in, swear a bit, shout a bit. I hate you. I hate you more. Throw a bit of beer around and jump on the plane and leave just to see if that works as a way to win friends. It doesn't work. Was it a private party for Lang Hancock or one of his relations? It was a private party, and there were people who were billionaires in the room. Everyone in Perth is a billionaire, it's hard to know who's the rich one.
0: You've met a lot of rich people, all the Packers, all that sort of thing. How were the Perth billionaires? Any sort of difference in them, or they a bit more earthy? They are a bit more earthy, they were very chatty
1: for some reason they kept running off to the bathroom and then came running back and they were all very uh, chatty they were 90s millionaires they were <laughs> 90s millionaires but you know very warm very self-effacing very earthy kind of billionaires did they invite you to have lunch at subiaco anything like that no we didn't get invited to do anything <laughs> apart from
0: Please leave. That was that was the only invitation we received. How did McDermott get on with the rich folk? He would be ideologically opposed to them on some level, I imagine, where Flacco would just be like, mm, as well. Well, in fact, one of the security guards did
1: say... <laughs> that he's Mr. Community. Good heavens. Seriously, I know, Mr. Community. We finished <laughs> the gig and he's still glad-handing all these multi, multi, multis. The security guard said, look at that, Mr. Community, and he wasn't being sarcastic. Wow. It was more disparaging of me and Paul Livingston and Cameron P. Mellor for not glad-handing people. Now, when
0: you do a private gig, do you do a
1: signing afterwards anyway? We did sign things. Wow. We did meet lots of people. I met parents of... A young boy who uh, has spina bifida, so that was good to catch up with them, give them a bit of a boost, you know, pump up the tyres a little, have a bit of a chat exchange tips on
0: how to get by. I'd like to have a bit of a shout out to a few people that I've met during this week. First of all, uh, Nicole Rogerson from Autism Awareness. I did an interview with her. It's going to be up on the Skeptic Zone podcast about various crank cures that for autism that people try and flaunt on her, much like you've had happen with the MS with you. Have you had any crank cures offered to you for your MS lately, Tim? Yeah, I had hookworms offered to me again.
1: again. Hookworms. Uh, The idea is that you eat or drink or somehow ingest the hookworms and that they go to work and they stop you from demyelinating.
0: This is a very useful tip, particularly for morons. There's also an interview with Tim Ferguson in this month's edition of the Skeptic magazine. That interview I did with you came out. It certainly did. I haven't managed to read that simply because I'm scared. I can't remember what I had. I'd have a lot of coffee before that interview. Also, a big hello to the Sydney podcasters. The meeting with them went well. They asked me how you made a podcast. I told them and they've all ignored me. And this has helped them out greatly. A big hello to Jeff and Kelvin at the Lazy Couch podcast. That's where you get your geek information and they're on a huge lazy. Couch when they make it, and they're completely drunk because they completely disregarded my advice not to drink beforehand. They do drambuie shots before the show.
1: They're one of my favourite podcasts, and now I know why. It's the drambuie, or as people call it,
0: Drammy. Smart people pissed, it's a great thing, which is also a shout-out to Alex on his Interest Only podcast, which has got a bit of an economics twist to it. Oh, I love economics. It's just so sexy and a really flat, sleepy way. You've been described in certain circles as a neo-Keynesian. Is that true, Tim? It used to be, but that's
1: when Neo was actually happening. Ah. Um, Now I'm a post-Keynesian. Oh, bloody hell. Yeah, this is where I like money to be spent. I like a lot of it to be spent, but I want it to be spent just by one individual as opposed to a lot of them. Does that trickle up? Is that trickle up economics? That is trickle up, trickle down. It's just trickling everywhere. So it's like getting Gina Riley to go on a shopping binge. We'll pretty well save the economy at least for an hour. Let's look into recriminations. Pretty powerful theme, Tim. Oh man, that's a powerful theme. I feel recriminated against.
0: Well, first of all, is there anything you would like to apologise from Bunga Bunga 17 our last show? Anything you felt you went a bit too far? I would like to apologise for everything I said about Morrissey over the
1: previous weeks. I won't, but I'd like to. (laughs)
0: There was someone who wrote to us that said that uh, you should apologise for throwing your genitals at the Prime Minister sometime in the future.
1: Yes, that's true. But now that you've given me the idea, I have to do it because I have to do dares. That's the trouble with me. So it's like Minority Report. This person started their own pre-crime. That's right, they've started it, therefore you could pretty well arrest me for throwing my genitals in his or her direction whenever that Prime
0: Minister is elected. People saying, what was that version of Tainted Love that you played at the end of Bunga Bunga 17, that brass band version? That was a, a German brass band called Tay Ray. That's T-A-E, T-A-E, R-A-E, doing their version of Tainted Love. They do songs by oh, everybody, R-E-M, the lot. R-E-M, that's a good band. <laughs> you ain't lived until you've heard R-E-M played by a brass band.
1: That's true. So if you're alive and you haven't heard it, you've become a contradiction.
0: Which is why I brought this along, Tim, because I've been through your house a couple of times, particularly when you are away. I went through your entire collection, didn't find anything I liked. <laughs> Acid Brass. Jeremy Della, uh, I think he might have been in the KLF, got together with the Williams Fairy Colliery Band and they decided to do, this is quite a few years ago, a whole bunch of rave tracks by brass bands. Man, they've got Voodoo Ray. They... Voodoo Ray, yeah. In brass...
1: They have What Time Is Love.
0: And the day in the life, that's a... Uh, 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 uh. Two o two, which is one you might recognise. Here's a bit of that, given the brass band feel.
1: That really kicks. That's good. I could dance to that. If you
0: can find a brass band, play some rave music, and just see what happens.
1: Those KLF guys—they are so postmodern. They are post-postmodern.
0: Or as we say in the inner city, POMO. They're so POMO. It's been difficult to catch Tim lately because he's working on his big project. I believe it's an architectural project in the city. Uh, Something like a World Square Tower or something you're working on. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. It's really been hard to bring it down. But I'm finding there are various options out there beyond using string. Can we say that there is um, some sort of creative thing? What form will this creative thing take? There is. It's a cinematograph,
1: Maynard, a cinematograph for the young people um, uh, with a comic sensibility and a romantic edge involving a lot of cars, a lot of drinking, a lot of cows and a few
0: granules of truth that will inspire mirth amongst the young people. Have you thought of just releasing it as one of those clicker things that you put over your eyes and click it through as a slideshow? It might be cheaper. What's that called again? What was that called? The Viewmaster is what we're thinking of. Whoa! I think I had one for Land of the Giants as well, which was a top show. <laughs>
1: come,
0: on, come on, you had the hots for Valerie on Land of the Giants. You did. 1967, the year of the Giants. The newest concept. An incredible entertainment seven people on the threshold of a strange and terrifying adventure into a space warp caused by cosmic photon mass and out into another world a world beyond any conceivable nightmare
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah when Tim makes that noise you know he's stalling for time because he secretly did but right now let's open the crank mail Crank mail crank mail crank mail! <laughs> What animal do we have uh, relieving itself on today's theme, Tim? It's a zebra. One
1: thing about zebras most people don't realise is that the eye of a zebra's penis is far smaller than that of your average pony, that is zebra size,
0: which gives that extra sharpness to the squirt that we just heard. Now, we got a lot of crank mail today and thank you for everyone who engaged with us, reached out to us, reached around to us on our Bunga Bunga Facebook page, on Tim's uh, Twitter, on my Twitter. Maynard! That's uh, Maynard out And of course, Tim on Twitter, you are... At Real Tim Ferguson. By the way, if you're wondering what's the best way to get my Bunga Bunga show, well, the easiest way, if you have an iOS Apple product, is you go to the podcasting app. In the search field, you put... Planet Maynard or Maynard's Malays, or even Bunga Bunga. And I think you will find that you will find the stream and you just subscribe to that. Then every time we make one of these shows or I put out one of my shows. And by the way, did you enjoy the one last week, which was the Free FM 1999 Gay Request Show? Oh, that was fantastic. I mean, it almost turned me deaf I had it up so loud. Were you going for
1: the Kids in the Kitchen current stand or the land of make-believe? From Bucks Fizz. Oh, Bucks Fizz gets me every time just because they're sort of good. And when you can see how it's gotta
0: be And yet sort of not. You're
1: making your mind
0: up so I'm always off on lighting. And a big shout-out to Bill and Andrew, who celebrated their 25th wedding anniversary a couple of weeks ago. I I did a gig for them at the small ballroom in Newcastle. A five-hour gig, I played 91 songs in a row, Tim. 91 songs in a row, one of the longest gigs I've done. Were they all from the same album? They were all from my DJing hard drive there, and I, I actually made the list at the end of it, and I'm going to present them with it, because what a fantastic audience. People came from all over Australia for this 25th anniversary that they made. They actually took N.I.B. to court in the 90s and won for a same-sex arrangement. Wow. I didn't know N.I.B. got into that stuff. And every song, everyone went, yay. And, of course, what do you finish with at the end of the night? I had to finish with one more time, Britney Spears, which you think you might have heard a lot, but you haven't danced to it much, have you, Tim? Wow. Let's just hear five seconds of that.
1: Oh, my God, I'm dancing. Straight away, I'm into the dancing, and I bet you, you, dear listener... Get the same. Me, baby, oh, by the way, because my Twitter handle is at RealTimFerguson, I got a tweet the other day of someone saying, Yeah, well, you call yourself Real because you're trying to seem famous. And I had to reply... <laughs>
0: Someone asked me as well, I think it was Suze on Facebook, she said, are you the real Maynard? And that's kind of a hard one to answer because I'm not the guy from Tool and the Perfect Circle who is also called Maynard and makes some good wine, I'm told. I just said yes and sent her a link to the the Mrs Sinatra grab that's on my uh, SoundCloud page. You
1: got the wrong Sinatra.
0: But you suggested a different strategy when someone asks me, am I the real Maynard, Tim? Oh, yeah. I think uh, the thing to do
1: is to say, no, I'm not. And then that way they have to go through all of the homework to prove that you are, in fact, the real Maynard. I mean, because it's impossible when someone comes up to you in the street and says, oh, mate, you're that guy. You know, tell me your curriculum vitae to prove it. Because even when you say,
0: "Uh, I was the guy who just crossed the road, then they go, nah, you didn't, nah. We've mentioned this on the show before, is that when they were watching you on television, you weren't in the room with them, so you don't know what they're watching.
1: Yeah, it's very hard. And you can end up standing there going through everything. I mean, I just go through everything. One time, I was going through Canberra, I thought I'd found the perfect solution, Maynard, and a guy came up to me and said, mate, oh, you're that bloke, you're, you're that fucking bloke, and
0: I said, oh, well. Uh. It sounds like you might have had an affair with his wife, the way he's talking.
1: Exactly, I said, oh, well, actually, that's my brother, that's my twin brother. <laughs> I'm Geoffrey Ferguson, and my twin brother parts his hair on the other side. Of course, nobody remembers such details. And they go oh. Oh, oh and i walked away thinking aha the perfect plan until i heard this fellow proclaim at the top of his lungs tell your brother he's a c-.
0: and that's what i learned just to be truthful with the public there's a few times where people have said are you that guy and i've just said no And then they wanted to argue with me about it. So it turned out being as long a conversation as when I said yes.
1: Because they know you're that guy. Mm. Glenn Nicholas had a good uh, story about this. Hello, boys and girls. This is Paddy Biscuit here with Bongo. Someone came up and went, ah, yes, I know who you are. And he was thinking, ah, this must be from my media. But no,
0: it's just you're that guy I went to primary school with. (laughs) Far less exciting. Tim, I was watching a show called The Science of Stupid the other day and we were talking about wheelchair dancing on the last show and there were some very good examples of people who are in wheelchairs usually or people who more likely aren't in wheelchairs usually trying to do wheelchair dancing and examining the, the angle that once you go past dancing in the wheelchair, you're heading for the ground. Yeah, there is
1: that kind of spot that David Byrne sang about. And there is that moment where you know,
0: unless you lean forward, this is it. You're going to be smacking the ground. More crank mail here. Claire writes, and this is quite a serious one for someone who's a post-neo-Keynesian. She writes, how would you solve the Greek financial crisis? Tim Ferguson. Oh, it's very simple. The
1: Greek financial crisis is more one of the populace than it is about the people with their hands on the levers of the Greek economy. So you agree with the referendum to have the whole population vote? Oh, yeah, they can do whatever they like. (laughs) It doesn't (laughs) matter. It's not going to fix anything because Greek people like living the great life, taking it easy, going out on the boat, catching a poisoned fish from the Bosphorus All you could do is send in the Germans.
0: Send in the Germans. They were there before. Well, technically, the Italians were there first, didn't quite get it right, got the Albanians involved, and then the Germans came in.
1: Well, that's absolutely true. We were talking about that before. But the Germans were the ones who really came in, fixed the economy, Checked out the paperwork. There was a slight problem Mm. because those Germans were bad people. But you send in the Germans. Angela Merkel will be able to go in there, stomp around and fix the problem. All these people who don't want the IMF to take over because they think the IMF is a bit like a vaccine, that it will give you some sort of disease or numb you. Although they
0: do tend to force you to open up your economy so lots of white guys can buy your stuff.
1: Yes, and they're
0: really nice white guys. You meet them, they are charming. There's an answer for you there. Bring bring in some of the white guys, but be careful which ones. Is that what you're saying, Tim? And one big white girl, which is Angela. And she doesn't use a phone as much as she used to either.
1: That's true. Look, I mean, I think really Greek people would be perfectly happy for a whole bunch of Germans to be running around doing all the work while the Greek people sit back, eat the fish, drink the ouzo in the morning, wash in the olive oil, taken life to its full. Crank
0: Curie Lipkin's right. You've both managed, in the cover art for our last show, Bunga Bunga 17, on the page, have a look at that, you've both managed to perfect the casual, what, this old thing look, which of course comes from hours of strategic grooming and winking at our reflections, Tim.
1: Yes, that's true. Well, you and I do spend hours... <laughs> getting our hair looking just tousled enough to be messy, getting our jackets to look just scuffed enough like they're
0: no longer new. Do you know how hard I have to work to be photographed next to Tim Ferguson? It's really hard. I can't just, like, breeze through it like the po- other Pauls do in the DAS. I've got to make sure I've got the right... Tim can just turn around and he's right. I've got to get that right angle. We take about six or seven photos every time. That's how it works. Although I'm crying on the inside of my beauty bay now. <laughs> Oliver Yundel writes,
1: Oliver Yudel, how would you pronounce that? However you like. Yeah. It's a foreign name okay. and we're Australian,
0: we're under no compunction. Oliver Yehudi Mendelin writes, what does Kittler, your cat, do to relax? And I have actually been to feed Kittler a bit when, uh, when you were away and uh, Kittler came out to be fed and, was, and I gave it little bits of chicken on top of the dried food you offered.
1: Well, Oliver Munkhausen, Kittler in his spare time is a cat, so he does nothing. He contributes nothing. He is
0: basically the grease of my Europe. We can tell you that unlike most cats, his favourite channel on Foxtel is not Animal Planet, is in fact Sky News. He loves Sky News. He thinks Christina Keneally has a lot of important things to say, which she does, and Peter Van Onselen, he thinks, is a big lefty. Richo! graham richardson i do have a bone to pick with him because the way he set up the whole telecommunications thing with foxtel i thought was a duplication so you had optus and foxtel running cable down the same street they didn't actually share they should have got telecom to run it out and then use the telecom facilities but that's just my bone to pick yeah funny that he ended up working for foxtel Swings
1: and roundabouts, I guess. That's remarkable. It is remarkable. He's an amazing man, Richo. I remember going to lunch at Vlados with him. Vlados is a restaurant in Melbourne that serves only meat. Meat is your entree and meat is your main. There's a little bit of lettuce and tomato salad. I went there with Richo because we had a spare hour from uh, Channel 9 and it was one of the most
0: fascinating studies in the way... Power works. Yeah, well, he was a numbers guy, and he has many powerful friends, and it's okay to say someone has powerful friends, but you've got to maintain those friendships and anything. Well, what did you learn from him? Well, you've got to maintain them
1: while breaking their necks. The interesting thing was he was talking about being Australia's first government-based politician who was interested in the environment. No other government, no other minister had ever even thought about the environment as being worthwhile, and it was Richo who had the idea that there were votes in these Bob Brown greenies tying themselves to trees. I
0: would have thought the Whitlam government would have had a go at that.
1: No, Whitlam didn't care about the environment because there
0: was so much of it. You could chop down as many trees as you like. And they did dam that valley rather famously in Tasmania.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, uh, you know, Jim Cairns and Junior Morosi liked going on bushwalks, and they wanted that to continue, but there was no-one at the forefront saying, we have a real problem, and we all, these resources are finite. Richo was the first one to put on these crappy Adidas sneakers and go, with his thick, stodgy legs, go to Tasmania and stand under a tree
0: and proclaim, this is in danger. And do you think if Richo was angry with you in an office that would not be a pleasant place to be? Because he wouldn't shout. Richo
1: would just pick the exact things about you that you wouldn't want highlighted in front of others. He's uh, a very, uh, very disciplined man. He's no shouter. He doesn't need to shout. People who have power don't
0: need to exercise it most of the time. Crank mail! Hugh Arundel writes, Tim... If you were training the velociraptors in Jurassic World, what tricks would you get them to do, Tim Ferguson? Well, Texas Hold'em poker. Because
1: who's going to argue? You just say, well, that was an ace. Who's going to argue with a velociraptor?
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, it was an ace. Yeah, no, it's just I've got something in my eye. Belinda Anderson-Pierce, so good they named her thrice, writes... I don't need advice on what to wear. I have impeccable taste on last show where you you gave some dating advice on what to wear. Belinda wants none of your advice. (laughs) Yeah. How's single life going, Belinda?
1: I hope it's going really well for you. Don't need fashion advice from people like me and Maynard. Maynard, who wears a British flag jacket. Me, who wears pants. Are you out of your mind? I'm sure what you've been getting away with is just your rampant good looks because beautiful people look good in pretty well anything.
0: Because we really like to get people excited, I'm going to read from the Goods and Services Tax Act 1999, Section 165-55. He's like this all the time, people. It's a non-stop party. But listen to this stuff. It's actually quite scary. Of course things are a non-stop party. I was reading this at the last Hellfire Club at Cuba the other night. No one wanted to... It was 11.30 at night. No one wanted to hear yeah, but they were happy to walk over you, and that was nice. I said, it's section 165-55, don't you people hear?"
1: Yeah, but they were wearing high heels when they did it. I mean, they weren't interested in hearing anything
0: but your squeal. I think you must have had a drink at the Q Bar sometime in its 22 years history. It's, it's shut now, and uh, they're moving Hellfire across the road to the old midnight shift. I
1: was always at the Q Bar, <laughs> mainly just to have a nice conversation with someone
0: who had an apple in their mouth and they had the smelliest men's toilets in Sydney other than Club 77 in William Street. That was the only toilet that I've found to be worse. There are always toilets for men who don't smell, but who wants to go to a party with those? The Tax Act 1999, Section 165-55. This is from M. Dawson. He sent me this email about this act, and I think this act is specifically devised so that it can undo no matter what anyone tries to do to outsmart the tax system. Get this. The tax commissioner may disregard any scheme in making declarations. He may treat a particular event that actually happened as not having happened and treat a particular event that did not actually happen as having happened and treat the event as happened at a particular time that he says so, and in a particular way that he or she says so. And even treat an event as happening at a different time from the time it actually happened. Read this, section 165-55. Is this Doctor Who? I'm I'm reading a Mark Gattis script here. So say you
1: claim that something didn't happen The commissioner can say, yes, it did, and it happened
0: at my place at 5 a.m. this morning. Is that right? I think so. People go on about the uh, American Sarbanes-Oxley Act, which I know you and I read exclusively, Tim. That was a a reaction to the Enron crisis, and there was a lot of uh, accountancy things put in place. But this is pretty powerful stuff. This is basically saying that they can say whatever... And you can say, no, it didn't. And they can say, yes, it did. And you can't just keep saying, no, it didn't. it also works the opposite. If you say something did happen, can they say it didn't? Yes, that's right. So this is a pretty powerful, that's section 165-55. You should be able to put this into some contract of yours, Tim, along the line.
1: That's pretty good. Why don't they give parking inspectors this kind of power? It would save them having to walk all the way in all that rain. They can just pick
0: numbers at random and accuse them of parking in the middle of the road. And you could take the government to the High Court about this, but they could just say, no, you're not really here. Yeah, this is the yes, no, fuck off, come back clause. Mm. I think there should be a podcast called The Section One Sixty Five Fifty Five, which is all about Doctor Who. And here's some music to represent that. That didn't really represent it, but it certainly represented something, Tim. Well, it was confusing, but that's a real thing. That's a real... (laughs) Look
1: it up, people. People say, how does Tony Abbott... Think one thing and do
0: another, and it's simply because it's legal for him to do so. Any government would want that power, considering it's uh, raising money. To be able to cancel out anything that anyone ever does to avoid giving you money is uh, the power you would want. And in the meantime, I'm afraid I'm going to have to book you for double parking. Parker, Crank mail! Scott Burton has a bone to pick with you, Tim Ferguson. Oh, that's nice. Should we pick it together, Scott? Scott Burton, re-your-comments, re-Morrissey. Oh, oh, come on. (laughs) Toughen up. What? And and people have already started going, oh, what's he going to say about Morrissey this show?
1: Oh Well, I have to because Morrissey keeps going. What, I'm supposed to just talk about Morrissey once and then just drop the topic? What is this, a sandwich?
0: No, no. Scott Burton says, well, are there any other 80s singers Tim Ferguson has some kind of opinion about? And I said, well, would you like to make us a list Scott, expecting him not to, but he went ahead and made us a list. Tim. Well, fire a couple past me and I will tell you how I feel about them. Scott Burton wants to know how you feel about David Byrne.
1: You may ask yourself, what is that beautiful house? You may ask yourself, where does that highway go to? David Byrne's okay. You know, he was kind of funny and he had very big shoulder pads. Suggs, the lead singer of Madness. Well, he's like the opposite of Morrissey he's uh hello hello
0: wearing a silly hat because he was short so that's okay and i take this opportunity to play tarzan's nuts from the first madness album
1: You can imagine Tarzan in that madness hat. Tim Finn and Neil Finn. I get them both mixed up and they're mispronouncing their surnames. Paul Kelly. Paul Kelly, you know, Paul Kelly from little things. Paul Kelly will grow. I like Paul Kelly. I did a gig with Paul Kelly and the Doug Anthony All-Stars once and we had to go on first and support him but we kind of ruined the whole mood. By the time Paul Paul Kelly came on, the crowd was a little bit kind of frisky, a bit yeah, nutty, a bit heckly. Paul,
0: Paul Kelly, you want to sit back and listen to his lyrics and hear him sing. You don't want to be revved up throwing stuff at the stage and possibly messing the surface that he has to walk on.
1: Yeah, he's too talented to walk out on stage and say, hi, I'm Paul, and have the audience scream, oh, no, you're not. You guys'
0: support for Jojo Zepp would have been more the right thing to do.
1: Once we supported Joe Camilleri, same thing happened. After that, Joe Camilleri said, I don't think we should do that again because <laughs> the audience wasn't really kind of ready for music. Well, I reckon Joe Dolce
0: would be a great one for you to support as well.
1: Oh, yeah, what's the matter, him, eh? <laughs> Did you
0: hear that? Well champagne comedy. Robert Foster. Robert Foster, the go-betweens.
1: Hi, hi. To go between, Do you know, they're nice sort of music and play your mum. I mean, that no midnight oil, put it that way.
0: People want to know what that sample of uh, ACDC I played last week was. That was three Ukrainian guys with an accordion sitting around a pool playing some ACDC. That's what that was. <laughs> So Toma-
1: This goes to show you can play ACDC with any instrument and it's still going
0: to rock just a little bit. How about, as far as eighty singers go, Kate Soprano? Hi,
1: this is Kate Soprano. You're listening to Maynard. I think he's a rather charming lad, but he smells. I love Kate Soprano. Not only is she beautiful, but she's good-looking and talented. The young
0: boys are my weakness. Great fact.
1: from the word go, Kate's been an extraordinary performer, so versatile smart, she's got a memoir out which is a great read about the inner guts of rock and roll Madonna, Madonna, they call her Madge, everybody's complaining she's going on tour again, the woman's only 50, she's going to live till she's 100, what are people who sing and dance supposed to shoot themselves at the age of 25, well yes, but if they don't, why not go another 25
0: your favourite Madonna song? Like a Prayer. The one I find that gets ignored, in fact she might even ignore it herself, is I Like Hanky Panky. Like Hanky
1: Panky. Hanky panky. Nothing like a good spanky. Hanky. Spanky. Don't take out your handkerchiefs. I don't want to cry. I just want a panky.
0: From the Dick Tracy movie.
1: Warren Beatty? Warren Beatty, yeah. I also like Get Into the Groove, which it took me years to understand what it's actually about and what the groove might be. Then it's like, oh, oh, that's dirty.
0: I thought Papa Don't Preach was about transubstantiation. Boy, was I wrong. Yeah, yeah. Time for Maynard's quick Madonna story. I was at a, a little bit of a greeting where meet and greet, where Madonna was, and there was this gorgeous model talking to her, this guy talking to her. And I didn't know what to say, so I said, is this guy boring you? And it was the wrong thing to say. He was very insulted, but she said, hello. At that point, I was dragged away by a security guard, and they shut the venue down. Wow, she's a tough lady, Madge. She's a tough
1: lady. But she should keep going. I mean, you know, you've got to let people, if they've got the music in them, keep singing. And it's not that tragic. Doug Anthony All-Stars are in their early 60s. Well preserved, but I'm 62. I'm still funny enough
0: to make people laugh. She's wearing a bodysuit that came out of her low-slung jeans at about a 90-degree angle, just straight up. It looked like she was giving herself a self-wedgie. Well, that kind
1: of gets me going. Madonna with a self-wedgie? Hang on. Sting, that'll that'll cure that wedgie thought. Oh, yeah, Sting. Well, yeah, give Sting a wedgie. Sting's become a bit of a joke. He's the go-to guy. Even the Simpsons bash him around on a regular basis just because he's so earnest. Sting is proof that if you stay earnest, you will become a joke. I do like his
0: version of... Oh, the shark has... That's Mac the Knife. See the shark has teeth like razors All can read his open face And Mac Heath has got a knife but not in such an... Obviously. We almost made a mistake on the last show when we spoke about June. We were talking about Col McLaughlin, star of the official podcast that we support, which is, of course, the 20th anniversary of Showgirls, yeah. along with the Dad's Army official 2015 movie. You think you giving, if you think we're the and the International Year of the Doug Anthony All-Stars. Sting had the fantastic undies in the movie June.
1: Hello, darling.
0: He certainly did, and he
1: did a very good job there because the character he was playing was cheeky, was not sincere,
0: was not earnest. Deborah Harry, what do you think about her singing ability? Oh, she sang? The thing about Deborah Harry is... It's a girl singer that starts with B. You know Tim has a problem with that Bananarama, Bangles, Blondie... And Deborah, you put me onto this. She is the world's worst dancer
1: ever. There is a clip, and what is the clip? Heart of Glass, maybe? Heart of Glass, where she is, I mean, look it up on your phone now. It is the worst dancing ever. She just had no talent. But there's still something totally sexy
0: about the fact that she was completely uncoordinated. I will counter that. I will counter that. I will give you Deborah Harry performing Call Me in a Scouts uniform on the Muppets.
1: Wow, see, that works, particularly for the Muppets. I mean, nobody gives the Muppets what they really deserve, which is a bit of
0: Deborah. Ian Curtis, lead singer, Joy Division.
1: Oh, she lost control again. She lost control. It is much the same as Sting, except just pure earnest misery. I don't care, Ian. I just don't care. She lost control. Good.
0: I would if I had to hang around you. I can see the, some of the anger that you summoned with Morrissey when I mentioned the name Ian Curtis.
1: Oh, yeah, I just don't like the sincerity in
0: music unless it's coming from Whitney Houston. The night before he did the vocals for Love Will Tear Us Apart again, he was allegedly listening to a bit of Frank Sinatra, and that's what he was trying to channel when he did the vocals for that.
1: And then he went and killed himself. So there you go, I suppose we've all learned something.
0: The final one on Scott Burton's list here of 80s singers, which uh, Tim Ferguson will have an overblown opinion about, is Billy Bragg. I really like Billy Bragg. I
1: think he's got so much to offer. I think he... Hang on, what? Oh, Billy Bragg? uh no. Has, well, no. I cannot abide Billy Bragg. And one of the things I can't abide about him is that having hung around the Doug Anthony All-Stars with two other members who are always very big fans of this limp-wristed, complaining, whinging Oh, I'm not a socialist because it doesn't rhyme with make beats, you know, guy drove me mad so out of habit and out of liking seeing their little faces crumple I have no time for Billy Bragg so fuck you Billy Bragg
0: I quite like the song he wrote at the anniversary of the Titanic where he wrote a song about the Titanic sinking from the point of view of the iceberg
1: oh how very droll that's the thing with socialists when they do tell jokes they're jokes that
0: Stalin would approve of what about sexuality that was a great pop single And with that, let's close up the crank mail.
1: Oh, man, crank mail. Crank mail, crank mail, crank mail.
0: Love crank mail. We'd like to thank our sponsor, c Lifestyles, for all their wonderful cat and dog things that they do. It's great that they're sponsors of the show. Check out their website, of course. That's CND Lifestyles, all one word, and get your cat inside a UFO in your lounge room.
1: Yeah, my cat, Kittler, needed to have just a sense of self-worth. So I went and got him a little trampoline, a little cat trampoline. <laughs> he looked at it and <laughs> said, no, that's not
0: quite what he was after. But thank you C and D for trying to help. When I was there feeding Kitler, I had the kapoopy scared out of me because I was walking down your hallway and you've got a new enormous painting that's the size of this cafe. And I walked in not noticing it because I was looking for the cat. And I walked out and I did like a goodies kind of like double take Mr. Bean thing as I walked. It's an enormous painting of you. Yeah, done by uh, Scottish artist Roddy Kerr, who
1: did this enormous, I mean, it is huge, mm. portrait of me. He's a great artist and very well-renowned. It portrays you as a court jester. Is there anywhere
0: online we can see this, or are you keeping it under wraps at the moment?
1: Oh, you can catch it on my Facebook page, and where selling ultra deluxe prints at Mm -hmm. Doug Anthony All-Star's gigs, but they're a little bit exy. They're over a couple of hundred bucks, but they are
0: very fancy. There used to be, like, this enormous portrait of Chicholina there. Can I have that that you took down to put your portrait up? Oh, no, that was me. That was me in a wig. You can keep it then. Let's thank our Patreon patrons we've now got over 18 now and we'd like to uh, thank some of them here Tim how about we alternate we'd like to thank because these are the people that go to patreon.com forward slash Maynard and they help us um, help us pay for the show here and it really helps a lot because Bunga Bunga basically uh, I've got no future Ferguson has a future I don't have a future and you are helping build the future for a podcast whatever that means we should thank Leonie Lynch thanks Leonie Lynch Catty Betts
1: yeah, thank you, Claire McConnell. hello. Jeanette Pixie Putt, And thank you, Peter Anonymous from Orange. Rebecca Jones.
0: Katrina Hale. Richard Wright. Danny Matthews. Big Nick Andrew. Mr Daryl Adams. He's a troublemaker. He's trying to get you into a political party. He's trying to raise some money for a political party. What do you say to that, Tim? I think I might be a
1: sucker punch. I mean, it's the only time Daryl Adams has said, has said anything nice... About this podcast, Bunga Bunga, about Maynard, about me. All of a sudden, Daryl's trying to say nice things.
0: Here, I'll, I'll start your political party. Oh, look, I've got one word, pandering. You're pandering, Daryl Adams. Sue Weldon also pandering to us, but we like that. Oh, yeah, Patricia McIntosh.
1: Hello, Patricia. Hello,
0: Dolly. Well, hello, Dolly. It's Mark
1: O'Brien, Sunday. Tony Push. And, of course,
0: Christy Shields. She's a rockin' legend. Lindley Kissick and John Carney. Thank you for your uh, support of us. And there's a few people that wish to remain anonymous as well. Your speculation as to who one of these anonymous people might be that's supporting our podcast. Uh, One of them is a highly placed politician in the New South Wales state government. I didn't think there were any. Well, they're reasonably placed. Well, they're placed. And thanks again to our Patreons, of course. Like I said, patreon.com forward slash Maynard. Just a dollar a month would just be appreciated. It would be great. Because it can be spent on supporting a coffee habit with frou-frou and just helping make the whole thing worthwhile. Let's place Tim Ferguson right now in history as it's time for Tim's Historical Hypothetical.
1: Oh, I can't wait. I don't know what's going to happen. I never know with a hypothetical. Bring it on. The year is
0: 1928. Ah, it's a hypothetical. You are Fleming. Alexander Fleming. Ah, who's that? You go into your lab, it's 1928, and uh, you're going into your lab. Your, your lab's often pr- a jumble, and you've got a few Petri dishes you've been doing a few experiments on, and you, you're doing a bit of, bit of a clean-up. Things are a bit messy in there. Your, your lab's a bit of a jumble. You're straightening up a pile of Petri dishes one morning where you'd been growing some bacteria, which had piled up on the sink. You open up each one, and you examine it before tossing it into the cleaning solution. And just as you're about to toss one of them into the cleaning solution... One of them makes you stop and say, that's funny, there's mould growing on one of these dishes. Fleming, Alexander Fleming, what do you do? Well,
1: I use this information to commence what could only be described as the greatest hoodwinking of the entire planet by suggesting that by growing this particular, well, let's call it what it is, penicillin, that I will somehow cause healing in the world when really as any dingbat stumbling down the street in byron bay will tell you it was from the very beginning a gigantic conspiracy out of which i and many 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 big companies have made trillions of dollars so you're saying the whole thing's a farce oh from the very beginning the whole idea that you could give people a vaccine and somehow cure them was already bumpkin i mean i know that since 1928 the life expectancy of uh, most people on the planet has doubled but that's simply
0: because of the hair care products so you're suggesting that the action of penicillin notatum is completely placebo tim oh completely placebo it's
1: not really working anybody who's ever had an antibiotic will be able to tell you it didn't work Yes, I got better, in inverted commas, but what does that mean? Did you actually become a better person? I don't think so. You're right. What can that mean?
0: That's Tim's historical hypothetical, where you learn something maybe not. Just one last word. (laughs) And by the way, please
1: vaccinate if you're going to be coughing over newborns. (coughs)
0: You've got your history. Now it's time to get important information which will make your life better as we find out... What's in Maynard's Buckout? Bag? Have a look at that. It's a book. How to live with a man. As you remember on Bunga Bunga 17, we had sex tips for straight women from a gay man. This is a little bit more conservative here. This is by Jennifer Warwick and it's a little bit 50s in its orientation. It's the gentle art of catching and keeping your man with tips such as how to keep things zesty, creating a home for both of you, and the other woman problem. How to keep a man, how to live with a
1: man. Oh, it's great, it's got joint household expenses. It's a whole list, and you get
0: to work out who
1: spends the most.
0: Of course, you as as a married man with the, the wonderful Stephanie there, do you think this is a book she would even need to glance at? Oh, she's a perfect
1: woman. She'll never need any of this. Although, look at that. There is a recipe for pork chops with corn dressing. That's one way to keep a man happy. There's a chapter called Make Him Feel Like a Man. Well, that's sort of like the other woman problem. You don't want to make him feel too much like a man. Otherwise, you're going to have to change the music
0: collection in your house. Yeah. So, yeah, so you don't want to make him too overconfident.
1: Uh, yeah, you don't want to make him too overconfident. because the next thing you know is you'll be coming home and he'll
0: be singing, Tell me why I... <laughs> Well, one of the points in there is that you shouldn't criticise him in public. That is an interesting point. You shouldn't criticise anyone in public. Maybe it's how to build a home with anyone rather than just a man. You're totally wrong, and that's what I don't like about you. Sorry, everybody. Sorry. That's why we always, Tim and I, always argue in public. Would you like to read just a paragraph somewhere, Tim? <laughs> Let him help you dress. This concept might
1: be too much to digest at first, she says. Your man can't even button his own shirt correctly, so how on earth would he be able to keep abreast of the latest fashions? Question mark. Well, he won't. However... He knows what he likes on you, and he knows which features of yours he adores. I think in the old days we called them boobs. The first thing to do is to pay attention to what he compliments. Does he love anything that shows off your décolletage? Which is, you know that bit between your boobs? That's decolletage. You can see from the side. From the front. You know how when you press them together? Sorry, when someone else presses them together and you photograph it? Too much! Does he seem appreciative when you slip into sleek black outfits? Does he prefer when you're not wearing clothes at all? I think all of those questions are very good and he'd probably
0: answer yes to all of them. A controversial book in the bug-out bag, How to Live with a Man by Jennifer Warwick. You heard it first and last here on Bunga Bunga 18.
1: Yeah, Bunga Bunga 18. But also, frankly, a lot of those things are still true. Men like to be asked, do I look good in this? Is this dress good? They won't give much of an opinion, but they like to feel partially involved in such decisions which is why we will always say that's okay honey you look fabulous in anything you
0: gotta have boobs if you want to impress tycoons and roofs you need boobs to fill out a sweater you need two but three might be better and that's one in the back for dancing. I rarely get complimented on stuff from women and when I think about it again, I think that's probably fair enough. Well, Maynard,
1: I compliment you a lot on everything. Mainly the things that the women leave out.
0: Maynard, you would look great going out that door right now. Also, I really like the back of your neck. De cortege, I believe the French call it. Oh, ha, 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 ha. Hello, everyone. That's pretty much it. Rounding out this episode of Bunga Bunga 18. Thank you for everyone who's contacted us with the crankmail, with ideas, with bad ideas, with even worse ideas. We appreciate
1: it. Oh, we certainly do. Even the idea of a political party which we are looking closely at. It's just I've got to work out whether Daryl Adams is setting me up for a fall here. Pandering. He could be pandering, or I could end up in court trying to explain how the party was put
0: together without my cognizance. To contact us at Bunga Bunga, go to the Bunga Bunga Facebook page. Please subscribe to the Maynard's Malays podcast in iTunes in anything you can search for it there. We're available on Stitcher. We're available through TuneIn. Just look for us in the uh, Apple Music app that's out there. What do you think of Beats 1, the new station they've got going out? had time to listen yet beats one is really great it's very boppy and fun and lots of good well chosen pieces
1: of music and some great podcasts out there the skeptic zone is always worth a
0: listen and a shout out to our sister podcast 55 shows old now what double j should sound like what because you've got a problem with the abc's double j haven't you well, I do. It's because it doesn't sound like Double J should sound like. Also, I'd like a shout-out to The Lazy Couch, The Interest Only. These are all good shows. In fact, there's no r- real reason to listen to the radio anymore at all, Tim.
1: Not at all. And there are the Millennials.
0: Splitting cases. Please. Which is really ripping along there. In fact, they're having a gig at their house. They are smart monkeys, those fellas. Worth a listen. Splitting cases, give it a listen. But right now, it's time to say huru with Tim Ferguson's right of reply. That's right, something has got up Tim's craw. He's picked it out, he's going to look at it in the light, and he's going to solve it. Tim Ferguson's right of reply. <laughs> Don't expect too much. I don't want
1: to upset anybody with this because everybody else is saying exactly the same thing. But it does seem very silly that Tony Abbott is resisting even letting the question of gay marriage walk onto the Parliament floor. Now, I won't talk about whether gay marriage is good or bad because we all know it's as completely good and bad as hetero marriage. It's as good as the people who are in it. But the thing Tony is missing here... The thing he doesn't understand when he says that children are better off with a father and a mother, well, that only lasts about three seconds. And that's before the child is even conceived properly. After that, we're all on our own. Who cares what the gender is? Either the Prime Minister is going to be gender blind or he's not. He's the minister for women, for Christ's sake and he's a man at the same time, so therefore gender blindness seems to be something that he's trying to promote. The other thing is really when you look at any gay man versus any hetero man, who is the masculine one? Hetero men prefer to have sex with pretty girls with their lovely soft skin and their high voices and they wear those pink frilly dresses and they have lovely long curly hair and they stroke their faces so gently and they call them things like you're my beautiful darling. You're so special. Whereas you find your gay man likes to have sex with men. So who is the more masculine here? Because the hetero men are starting to sound pretty girly. Whereas the gay men are starting to sound much tougher. Tony, get your act together. Just let it happen. You'll go down in history without going down. Just let everybody else go down on whoever they wish. Give me. The men who are stout-hearted
0: men Who would fight for the right they adore That's Tim Ferguson's writer replied reply to a question that no one asked. They didn't want to even hear the question. Well, they specifically didn't want to hear from you. <laughs> no, they don't want to hear what I'm putting down.
1: Don't expect too much. But that question of hetero men and
0: gay men, who is the effeminate one, I'm putting it to you, it's the one who can only sleep with girls. This has been Bunga Bunga 18 coming at you in your ears around the town as you wander about there, Tim. And a special message for anyone who might be on a bus at the moment.
1: Yeah. Just press your buttocks against the bus chair and just feel the buzz. Just let it vibrate all the way through you. Oh, yeah. Man,
0: man, man, man. This has been Bunga Bunga 18. I've been Maynard
1: and he's been Maynard and I've been Tim Ferguson and he's been Maynard. Did we mention who's been Maynard? He has. Bunga Bunga! Bunga.
0: Bunga.
1: Bunga up
0: Broken up Mainar AU <laughs> hey,